Okay, we are learning Daf Yud Gimel. We're starting from the second line down. So yesterday was a tough, tough blot with all the svaras back and forth on uh, the Machlokas Rameir and Rabbi Huda about when the rabbinic restriction from eating comets kicks in. Today, it's going to be lighter. We're done analyzing. We're just trying to figure out what the halacha is. So we had a dispute. We know comets is also Midaraisa in our <coughs> Pesach in the afternoon. However, Midarabana and Rameir says you can't eat it one hour earlier. Rabbi Yudah says you have to stop eating it two hours before. At, uh, call it a six to six day. According to Rabbi Yudah, you'd have to start, you stop eating it at 10 o'clock a.m. Even according to Rabbi Yudah, though, everybody agrees you don't start burning it until 11 o'clock a.m. So according to Rabbi Yudah, you're kind of just chilling between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Then we learned one more opinion in the Mishnah, Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel says, you know what? It depends what type of food. If you're eating regular food, that's not so important that it gets eaten. So you should stop eating at 10 o'clock. But if you have truma, truma is very important that it gets eaten. It's like a mitzvah. It's going to go to waste. It's a horrible thing. It's supposed to be eaten. So then if you have a Kohen who could eat truma between 10 o'clock and 11, you would still let the Kohen eat it. But after 11, even a Kohen eating truma, we do not let. So now the Gemara comes in for a ruling second line. So what does that mean? That a hard stop at 10 o'clock, no one can eat any food and you burn at 11. Says the Gemara, Shouldn't we say that the is like Rameer? We find that the Mishnah later on in Dav Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi wrote a Mishnah that seems to reflect the opinion only of Rameer. And that's a general rule in Hilchos Psak that if you have a Stam Mishnah that reflects a view of, a machlo, of one of the opinions mentioned in the dispute before, we assume that Rabbi Yehuda is siding with them. So why don't we paskin like Rameer? What is this Mishnah which seems to paskin like Rameer? The Mishnah makes a statement as follows. During a time, as long as you're allowed to eat, you're allowed to feed to your animals. Meaning, as long as you're allowed to eat chametz, the chametz is mutter bahana. But once you can't eat chametz, the chametz is now aser bahana. That's the implication in the Mishnah. Now, who, who does that Mishnah follow? If you follow Rabbi Yudah, that statement doesn't make sense. Because according to Rabbi Yudah, you can't eat chametz after 10 o'clock. But it doesn't become forbidden bahana. You don't have to go burn it until 11 o'clock. So you have an entire hour where you should be able to feed it to your animals, even though you can't eat it. Must be that that Stam Mishnah is going like the opinion of Rameer, and you're allowed to eat chametz all the way until 11 a.m., and then the statement makes sense. As long as you're allowed to eat, you're allowed to feed it to your animals. After 11 a.m., when you can't eat, you also can't feed to your animals. So don't we see a Stam Mishnah following the opinion of Rameer? So why don't we pass him like him? So the Gemara says, Ahilav Stamahu. No, 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 it's not a Stam Mishnah like Rameer. Mishum Dekashia Mutter. The language of Mutter is difficult. Why did the Mishnah say, Kol Shah, that it's Mutter to eat? Why don't we just say any hours that you eat, you can feed? Mutter implies, the Gemara later on in the second part will tell us, that even though I can't eat, somebody else could eat. Who, what? The answer is, the Mishnah is really going like Rabbi Gamliel. And during that hour between 10 and 11, I, a regular Yisrael, am not allowed to eat chametz. But a Kohen eating truma is allowed to be eating chametz. And that's what the Mishnah is coming to say. Even in a time that I'm not eating, but as long as it's permitted to eat, meaning someone has a hatter to eat, then even I may feed to my animal. Actually, the Mishnah is not alluding to the opinion of Rameer. The Mishnah is alluding to the opinion, actually, of Rabbi Gamliel, that as long as there's someone has a permissibility to eat, then it may be, feed, it may be fed to the animal. So you're asking we should pass him like Rameer because the Stam Mishnah goes like him? No, 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 that's not a Stam Mishnah like Rabbi Meir. Uh, actually, if anything, it's going like Rabbi Gamliel. Now, the, the difficult part about this Gemara, and this is Taisa's Kasha, so what should our expectations be that we should actually paskin like then Rabbi Gamliel? Because we have a Stam Mishnah like Rabbi Gamliel. 
For some reason, the Gemara dismisses that. Once it's not a Stam Mishnah like Rabbi Meir, we're comfortable passing like Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda didn't make the split between Chametz and, and, and Truma, though. Rabbi Yehuda just said, hard stop at 10 from eating, wait till 11, and then everybody burns. Even though we have the Stam Mishnah later on that goes like Rabbi Gamliel, it's a strange thing. Let's tell you, this is very bothered by this Gemara. The only thing the Gemara asked is not that we should pass on like Rabbi Gamliel because the halacha is like, that the Stam Mishnah is like him, but the next thing the Gemara asks is, V'nei Mamar, halacha Gamliel, the Havali Machriha. Why don't we pass on like Rabbi Gamliel? Because he's a Machriya. What is a Machriya? A Machriya is a concept that when two Tanaim are disagreeing and a third Tana comes and has a compromised view that adopts opinions of both, then we always pass on like the compromise. So isn't Rabbi Gamliel's view a compromise? Think about it. Rabbi says everybody could eat till 11. Rabbi Yudha says nobody could eat after 10. Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel is creating a compromise. He's saying a Yisrael can't eat after 10, but a Kohen could eat his Truma. So Rabbi Gamliel's view is a machriah between them. So isn't that always one of the laws in Psaq? So why are we saying we pass him like Rabbi Yudha that everybody has to make a hard stop to, to stop eating at 10? We should pass him like Rabbi Gamliel because he's the machriah. The Gemara says a very subtle point. He's not making a compromise between the two. He's just saying his own opinion. Now, what does that mean? When do you say a compromise? When do you say he's in? A very hard line in the Gemara. So the answer is, it depends on the language that the other Tanaim used. Let's say Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda would have emphasized at 10 o'clock, everyone has to stop eating. Whether it's Chulen, whether it's Truma. And Rabbi Meir had mentioned Chulen and Truma, and he said, everybody can eat until 11, whether it's Truma or whether it's Chametz. Then... If Rabbi Gamliel would come in and say, I split whether it's chametz or truma, that would be a compromise. But if Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yudha don't allude, don't mention chametz and uh, don't mention uh, regular chulin or truma at all, they just say 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, they're not thinking at all that it makes a difference if it's chulin or truma. And then suddenly Rabbi Gamliel wakes up that there's a split between chulin and truma. That's not a compromise between the two. That's just a new idea that he introduced out of left field. That's not called machriya. There has to be that the words that the other Tanam used reflected that there was a possibility to split, but we didn't. And then if somebody makes the compromise, we'll pass them like him. So we're not going to pass them like Rabbi Gamliel. At the end of the day, we're passing like Rabbi Yudha, that everybody has to stop at 10 a.m. Why is Rabbi Yudha incompatible with that position of the same? Can't we just say that he was as referring long to as a person can't have fun, an animal can't have fun, as long as an animal can't have fun, a person can't. Well, because it says anytime when you, when you can eat. So uh, you, you can't eat, according to Rabbi Yehuda, after 10, right? But according to Rabbi Yehuda, that the chametz doesn't have to be burned till 11, the assumption in the Gemara, which is the, the truth of that, is that it's still much of a hanah. You should be allowed to give it to your animal. Since you have that hour of, that buffer zone, the between 10 and 11, according to Rabbi Yehuda, where you can't eat, but you don't have to burn, our understanding is that it's still much of a hanah. Right, exactly. Because the Mishnah says, as long as I can eat, I can feed it to my animal. Says the Gemara Viva Yisema, we want to know why we pass like Rabbi Yehuda, Rav, who pass like Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Kaitana. Rav had a source from Atana that we pass like Rabbi Yehuda. What's the source? It's very Negev, Erephes, Shechalios, Peshabbos, Rabbi Yisema. Very Negev, this Bryce. Titania says in the Bryce, Arba Osra, Shechalios, Peshabbos. So what are you going to do? Right? The big problem is, and Shabbos, you got a lot of difficulties. So what's the halacha? So you try to get rid of as much as you can before Shabbos. Get rid of virtually all your chametz before. Make your fire before, even on your gimel. It's very interesting. And even fascinating halacha. You can burn, let's say you have truma that's chametz, and it's the 13th, the 13th, Arab Shabbos. Right here, Shabbos is the 14th. On the 13th, which is Friday, you make a fire, burn your chametz, and you burn truma that became tameh, truma that you're not sure if it's tameh, and even truma that is tahar. Fascinating. Why? Normally it's totally forbidden to burn truma that's tar. It's called wasting truma. But here you don't have that. 
Because anyways, it's going to go to waste. That's the point. Tomorrow it's going to become us. You're going to have to get rid of it. So even today, that it's before this man, a day before this man, I don't have a coin and can eat it. What am I supposed to do? So I am allowed the Baraisa teachers to burn truma, which is tahar today. And you leave over from food that you're allowed to eat just the amount of chametz, which is enough for two hours. That you'll have enough to eat tomorrow on, on Shabbos. So enough chametz you'll eat until four hours into the day, until 10 a.m. So one meal you eat Friday night. You leave over a roll for Friday night. You leave over a roll for, for Shabbos morning. You make sure you eat. You have to daven very early that day. You have to finish your meal by 10 a.m. What's with Shalashudis? Why don't you have to eat Shalashudis? So Rashi says, the most Pelotical Rashi in the whole Psalm, Rashi says, you don't have to worry. Oh, that's what Rashi says. You don't have to worry about it because you're not allowed to eat a meal before the Seder. Pella from Rashi. Because there's a much simpler, that's a Dinder Abanam. There's a much simpler reason why you don't leave over Shalashudis with Chametz. Because it's us eating Chametz in the afternoon. I don't know where Rashi needed that. That's right. Very early Shalashudis. What? You can have a very early thought. Yeah, that's not a problem. You're eating over the Yeah, Mother If you're saying, and you're asking, you're bringing up an awesome question, why don't you try to eat your third meal before 10 a.m.? You're bringing up an awesome kasha. But Akama Rashi's tyrants was that it's also to eat before the Seder, that he's holding in the time frame in the afternoon. He's eating the time frame in the afternoon, it should be also to eat. But I don't know what the answer to your question is. Why don't you have to shout, should this is too early, maybe? I don't know. Okay, too much. No, yeah, that's the answer. That's what we're going to do. That's what we'll have to do. But yes, anyway. It's a good question. Could you be Yossi Shal Shodas in the morning? That's what that we have to look into. I'm getting all confused now. We're going to look into it. We're going to look into it. I remember doing that. There we go. So what's Pshan Rashi? Givaldic. So what's Pshan Rashi? We'll come back to it. Don't worry. Nagim Mamash is here. We'll figure it out. Says the Gemara. So this is all in the name. So Amru Lo, the objection that they had is Lo Yisrafu. To ours Lo Yisrafu, if you have Trimah that star, you shouldn't be burning it on the 13th. Shem Yimshalem Yes, a coin's not here now, but maybe a coin you'll walk to a shul Friday night and you'll find a coin guest. You'll invite him to your house and he'll be allowed to eat the Trimah. So you shouldn't make that bold decision to burn the comments that's Trimah Tahorah on, 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 on the 13th. Why you, where's the coin going to come from? Obviously, you looked around, you couldn't find one. Maybe this guy is outside the, 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 the wall of the city right now, but within the Tchum. And on Friday night, he's going to show up in Shul and you'll find him and you'll eat the Trima. So Amalahan said, Oh, if you're Choshesh for that, and that's why you shouldn't be burning it, then even Trima, which is a suffix, Tuluyos, which is suspended, which you're not sure if it's Samaritar, you shouldn't burn. Why? Maybe Eliyahu and Navi will come. Vietarim! Maybe Eliyahu and Navi will come. It's the day before Mashiach is coming. Maybe. Eliyahu and Navi will come and they'll tell us what's tar. So the same way you're saying I shouldn't burn Trima, which is tar, because maybe a coin will show up in Shul. So I shouldn't burn uh, suffix Trima either. So it's already guaranteed for the Jewish people. He will not come on Arab Shabbos or Arab Yantif because of the difficulty. So therefore, today is Arab Shabbos. He's not coming today. And tomorrow is Arab Yantif. So he's not coming tomorrow. So therefore, if he won't come, so we no one's for sure, for sure no one is going to give us a psaq that our taharos are, are really tar, and that's why we're allowed to burn, burn them. Our only question is, can I burn the, the, the taharos that I know for sure are tar. That's the question that we had. Fine. This is the discussion. This is the machlokas. But the bottom line is, Amru, lo zazim They did not move from there. They didn't budge. So it said in the Brisa, 
It says in the Bryce itself that they didn't budge from there in the base of until they paskin like him. Paskin like him in which aspect? My love, afilu lechol. For all the aspects that he mentioned. Meaning, one of the things that he said in the Bryce was that you have to finish eating your meal Shabbos morning by 10 a.m. So you see that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. So this is presumably where we got a source from. So the Gemara says it's not a proof. Amar Papa Mishrei, the Rabbi Lo Levar is talking about the point that he said that your kovea, that you, uh, that you burn even taharos on Friday. Remember, his, his colleagues weren't so happy with the burning the taharos on Friday because maybe a kohen would show up. So maybe that aspect we mean to pass them like him. But the aspect of the latest manachila that it goes until 10 a.m., maybe we don't pass him like him. Says the Gemara. So fine, the Gemara leaves it. Meaning, Paskin 10 o'clock, whether it was the most conclusive evidence from the Bryce or not, is questionable. Says the Gemara, There was once a story, So he deposited a, a big sack of chametz by this character named Yochan and the mice pierced a hole in the bottom of the bag. The chametz was leaking out. So meaning it was getting damaged. So you're a shomer. He was a guardian of the chametz. And he is trying to do the right thing. He sees that the chametz is dripping out. So what should he do? If you're a guardian, on the one hand, it's not yours to touch. It's not yours to, it's not, it doesn't belong to you. On the other hand, you're supposed to be protecting it. So what should you do? Valifnei Rebbe came in front of Rebbe. Shari Shona, the first hour, Amalo, the first hour of the day, Amalo Hampton. He said, wait, don't sell it yet because maybe the owner will come soon and he'll be able to eat it. Shni on the second hour of the day, Amalo Hampton, he also told him to wait. Shlishish in the third hour, Amalo Hampton, he said to wait. Revius Amalo Hampton, the fourth hour, he said to wait. Chamishis, once it was already within the fifth hour after 10 o'clock, Amalait, say, Umochrobashok. At this point, go out and sell it in the marketplace. And while it's still mutter to have enough, quickly go. Right? Once the six hour come, you're not going to be allowed to sell it in the marketplace. You can't have enough from Khamit. So help the owner. If the owner is not here, it's already 10 a.m. So quickly go make a decision to sell it in the marketplace to salvage some of the money that can be made from this thing. So if he's selling it in the marketplace, my love, presumably it means he's selling it to Gayim. And that means he, he's going like Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that it can't be eaten. Why is the Gemara making that assumption? What's going on here? So what's going on is, why is the Shomer being told in the fifth hour to sell it in the market? Why doesn't he just take it for himself and purchase it for himself? And then he'll reimburse the owner later, and uh, that can be done. Why is he being told specifically, go out to the market and sell it? Must be because he can't eat it. We're talking about a time that it's forbidden for him to eat. So it must be we're going like Rabbi Yudah. After 10 a.m. you can't eat, but it's still Motorbahana. So he's being told to sell it. Ah, why didn't he take care of this before 10 a.m.? Because maybe the owner would have come back and he would have eaten it. So you can't make any decision until 10 a.m. After 10 a.m., you can't take it for yourself and eat it because Allah is like Rabbi Yudah. You mean the Shomer, but rather he was told to go sell it. Bashuk. So we see from here a proof that we pass him like Rabbi Yudah. So the Gemara says, Maybe it means that in the, it's getting so close to 11 o'clock when it's going to become usher, so go sell it in the market like Rameir. So well, then why didn't he just take it himself? So That was where we were coming from. If it's Yisrael, if you're allowed to sell it, we're going like Rameir, why didn't he just take it for himself? Why is he being told that he has to sell it in the market? Most people are going like Rabbi Yehuda. And it's also for you to eat, and the only thing you do is sell it to Gain. So the Gemara explains, no, really, we're going like Rameir. Really, it's still mutter to eat. Really, he's selling it to Jews. Ah, you want to know why doesn't he take it himself? Mishum it's because of suspicion. It doesn't look right for a Shomer to give it to himself and reimburse the owner later. People are going to say bad things. People are going to say, ah, he didn't do a fair price. He ripped him off. Maybe he was the one who made the hole in the bag to begin with. 
People are going to say what people are going to say. So Mishum Chashad, a fascinating halacha, to protect your reputation, there's a din, don't be the one to, to take it and reimburse the owner, rather go sell it in the open market. Where do we find such a fascinating concept? I mean, who says you have to care what in the world people say about you? The answer is, Mitatanya says in a price, what does a Gabbai Tzedakah do? If he has coins, which may go bad, and there's no poor people to distribute them. In the money in So part in ain't part in What he should do is copper can go back and rust and get bad. So he should switch it out to silver, but he should make the switch for other people. He shouldn't do it internally. So if you have silver in your house and, and copper, don't of the stucco, don't do it yourself internally, Mr. Gabbai Stucco, because people are gonna say bad things about you. Similarly, Gabay Tamkhosh in the Manim Machalik, the Gabay Tamkhoi, which is like they had ready food for the poor. So don't, if they, if they don't have a Nim to give it to Mokhon Achem, sell it to other people in Mokhon Atzmam, they should not conduct the sale to themselves. They shouldn't use it for themselves and reimburse the pot because people are going to say bad things. Mishum Shinema, this is actually a din that comes from the Torah. You will be clean from Hashem and from the Jews. So to be clean from Hashem makes sense. But what does it mean to be clean from the Jews? The answer is you have to do things that are within your control that people won't say bad things about you. A fascinating concept. So the Gemara is saying that's what's going on here. He was being told to sell it in the open market between 10 and 11. Might be really going like Ramir. It's not a proof of Basque like Rabbi The reason he wasn't taken for himself was because of Chashad. Says the Gemara Marv Yosef, Who's this whole same, this whole story here with the with the deposit and the guardian going like Rosh Gamliel? It sounds like we're only going Rosh Gamliel. Meaning the premise that we were saying is you're not allowed to touch it until the very last moment. So it sounds like we're going Rosh Gamliel. Where do we see this? The Tanakama says even if the things are going to get ruined, if you're watching somebody else's stuff, even if you see that they're about to get ruined, you can't touch them. Because it doesn't belong to you. This seems to be not like what we said. This Tana holds that if you're a guardian, you're a guardian. You don't have right to make decisions. Even though it seems like the money's going to go to waste, you can't make a decision to sell it. What do you mean? There's a mitzvah of Why is it different if I see an owner, a lost object on the street, or if it's a guard, I'm a guardian on an object and I could salvage the value. So Rosh Gamliel holds I could sell it. So this sack that we gave that he could sell it in the market between 10 and 11, L'cha'orah is only going like Rosh Gamliel because according to that Tanakhama, guardian is never allowed to touch it. So Amalei Abai, Abai said, no, what was it said? And when we learned about Matziah, my Rav Archana, Rabbi Yochanan, lo shonu ala bichadei chesronim. The dispute is only if it's going bad, but at a rate that makes sense. Meaning there's always a natural rate that food is going to decrease. If you have fruits, it's natural to assume that their value is going to decrease. So there, the Tanakhama is saying, if it's a natural decrease in price, that's what you shouldn't sell. Because it's natural. Nothing strange is happening. And if something uh, like a fluke is happening and it's, you know, like, I don't know what it is. Suddenly you see some strange infestation in the fruits. And if you don't sell it in the next 20 minutes, it's going to all be wasted. There, everybody agrees, Mokhon or Basin, you should sell it in Basin. The Kosh can offer the Psyche of the Gamma for sure here, where it's Arab or Pesach and it's Khamenei, where it's going to be going to be a total loss of money. Then there's no question whatsoever that you should sell it. So the Kumar is saying that as a concept of Ashara Saveda for the custodian to sell, everybody agrees that's true. Like in our case, everyone would agree to sell. The Machlokas in Bamatia was only about if it's not such a big loss of money, it's a natural decrease in price, whether still he has the right to sell. Okay, then we go back, go back to Mishnah Vodom Rabbi So what was the case? Rabbi Yudah said that in order to tell track of the time, they would put two chalos atop of the roof of the Itztabah in the base of Mikdash. They would put two chalos. When there were two chalos, they knew it was before 10. When they took off one chalos, they knew it was between 10 and 11. After they took off both chalos, they knew it was after 11. So Tani Kamei Durev Gav HaItztabah. So it sounds like a Gav Itztabah. Itztabah means like the, it would have like a roof and then under it were like the benches. 
So instead of saying Ga, somebody taught that Tana said Avga, which sounds like you're putting it like on the benches themselves. So I'm going to what are you trying to store away the loaves? You need people to see the loaves. You have to put it up high. So Tani al he switched the gears on top, on the roof of the Itzdava. That's where the loaves were kept so that everybody should see. The benches, the Gemara just tells us things about the benches. They were like two rows, one within the other. It's like bleachers, one within the other row uh, uh, under the Itzdava. It was called Istavanis. And the Istavanis, Rashi explains, they come from the, like the, the, in the markets, the stores. They used to have these like boards that would fold up. And then during the day, they would lay them out flat to place the merchandise on to sell. So the, the benches like resembled those things. And that's how it took on the name, this name of the things that they would call the boards in front of the stores. But the point was that you have a big open space that had a roof. And then under the open space were rows of benches, one within the other. Then, what types of loaves did they use in the base of Mecca? This is a total tangent, this next number. What types of loaves did they use in the base of Mecca? So it said they used invalid loaves, psulos. So Zagmar says, my psulos, why, why were they possible? What was the nature of these loaves that they were being used? Again, these loaves are purely uh, an alarm, like an alarm clock. That's what they are. They're an indication to the people what the time is. So why are they using possible loaves? What's going on? So Amar Abkanina, Mitoshay Merubah, Mitsalas Bolina, because there were so many carbon todas. Carbon todas, a day, a carbon that's brought, right? You know, like when everything you would send. You would say, Hagomelan, you bring a carbon toda, it's eaten for one day and one night, the following night, and it comes, it's accompanied with 40 loaves of bread. So there were so many carbon todas that were being brought, so inevitably, there were those that weren't consumed by the end of the night. So what happened was, they were already pasobelina, so that's what we mean. They used leftover bread from carbon todas that didn't get consumed, because there were so many carbon todas being brought right before Pesach. And we'll see why were there so many carbon todas that were being brought right before Pesach, the Tanya. The person is not allowed to bring a carbon toda on Pesach. You know, that's why we don't say Mizmar soda every morning on Cholamoid Pesach. Why? Because since 10 of the loaves, there are 40 loaves, 30 are matzah, different forms of matzah, but 10 of them are chametz. So because you can't bring those 10, you don't bring the whole carbon. It's a fascinating halacha. You don't say, you know, I don't know, just like supplement with other stuff. You don't say that. If you can't bring the carbon with the loaves, the full 40, then you don't bring it at all. So since you can't bring carbon toda during Pesach, so everybody, there was a big rush, there was a big demand to bring carbon todas before Pesach. That means that inevitably there was going to be leftover bread lying around on your dalit, and that's the bread that they used. So the Gemara asks, Pshita, of course you can't bring. What's the novelty of the brisa? Amar Vachabar it means not only can you not bring it on Pesach, you can't bring it even on Erev Pesach. Why? What do you mean? I have enough time to bring it. Let's say I'll bring it at 8 o'clock a.m. on Erev Pesach. Okay, I have a few hours to consume it until midday, and then I'll eat all the bread. Why can't I bring it? The answer is, person cannot, it's a fascinating shita. person is not allowed to bring a carbon in a way where he is, where it is susceptible to becoming noser in a quicker time. So like this example. Usually a carbon toad that you have the entire day to bring it, to eat it, and the following night. Here you're not going to have that full time frame. So the halacha is you can't even put it into that jeopardy to begin with. And you can't bring the carbon then at all. That's why we don't say mizma soda even Arab Pesach because of this gemara. Okay. So therefore no one can bring it even on the 14th. But cool, so when is everybody going to bring it? Everybody's going to be bringing it on the 13th. Because there's so many carbon todas being brought in the base of Mikdash on the 13th of Nisan, if Salat Bulina, inevitably there's going to be loaves of bread which won't be consumed by morning. So the 14th in the morning, you're going to have a bunch of bread lying around, and those were the bread that was used. Now, just. Really the same problem even the day before. You know they're going to end up lying around because there's going to be. Great shot. The Gemara is saying it's inevitable that the bread's going to be left over. That's not also to bring on 13th. What's the difference? The difference is because one is a din in the Zman and one is practical. 
practically the fact that it might not be consumed doesn't invalidate you from bringing the carbon. But to bring a carbon when the etzim's man is not going to be allowing you to eat it, that's forbidden. So the Gemara says a different view. And what would they do? It's very interesting. They would use these bread and immediately after they would take away the, the, the second one, they'd have to burn it right away. It's very interesting, no? You have to burn it at 11 a.m. What? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess they wouldn't be able to eat it. They would burn it on the spot. I guess the second afterwards. So, and, they know, and they definitely can't eat it because of Lina. It's possible. Zakti Gemara, different view. Not like our Mishnah. Mishnah Rabbi Yana, Yamu Actually, that they were Kshayros. They weren't invalid. My Karlopsulos, what does our Mishnah mean when they, that they were invalid? It means Shalonishka there was, they were never paired together with a carbon toda. So meaning, they were designated, just to make sure we know how the bit works. A person who wants to bring bread, he's going to make Kedusha's peh. He'll designate them, he'll consecrate them, they become holy, but they don't get the full sanctity called Kedusha's aguf, intrinsic, inherent uh, Kedusha, until the slaughtering of the carbon toda that pairs this bread together with this animal. So they were designated, they became kadosh, but they had not, they had not been paired yet with the zevach. The zevach had not been shafted together with them. Says the Gemara, why not? Like, what happens? Benishkot, let us slaughter. Now, the Gemara doesn't mean let us slaughter on the 14th. We already learned you can't do that. But the Gemara is just trying to figure out the story, I think. What do we mean that these were loaves of bread that didn't get paired? Why not? Like, what happened on the 13th that they didn't get paired? So the Gemara says, the carbon got lost. So meaning, if the carbon got lost, it didn't have a pair. Says the Gemara, that's, that's not a good answer. But I see Zavach just bring another animal, right? I mean, like, what's the big deal? Says the Gemara, the person originally, for some strange reason, he didn't have to do it this way, but we're saying the case was that he took a specific animal and specific bread, and he said, this bread and this animal should go together. So then, when that animal gets lost, he cannot bring another animal and slaughter and slaughter it with the bread, because he linked the bread, dafka, with this animal. If the bread, if in a case where you link bread with a specific animal and animal with a specific bread, if you lose the bread, maybe no problem. You could replace the bread because the bread is ancillary to the carbon. It's tuffled to the carbon. So even though the bread got lost, it can be replaced. Whereas of the toad, if the, if the animal got lost, you cannot replace it with another animal. Why time? And what is the distinction? They were paired with each other. What's the difference if the bread got lost or the animal got lost? Lechem, glaltoda. Lechem is just accompanying the animal. They ain't told the glal lechem, but the carbon is not accompanying the bread. So therefore, if the, the animal went missing after the bread was linked with it, it cannot be replaced with the second animal. Now you're just stuck with this lechem that has kedusha. Nothing can be done with it. That was the type of bread that they used on top of the itzibah. Says the Gemara, but if for kinu, but if kinu lechulin, why can't you redeem it and let it go out lechulin? This is a basic concept that until something gets Kedusha's Haguf, intrinsic Kedusha, the higher level Kedusha, as long as it's still Kedusha's Pad, just that it was consecrated, the basic principle is that you can redeem it, right? Like you can redeem anything that belongs to the Badakabai. So why don't you redeem it? You can then take it out of the problem and it will become kosher. So why are they, why are they stuck? And obviously they're being called stuck from the fact that they were, we're referring to them as Psulas. So the Gemara answer is you're right. We have to say a little bit different. Ella, rather, we're, we're switching gears a little bit. The case was that the, the carbon was shafted with them. So they actually got the higher level of sanctity. They became Kedusha Sagov. Ay, why are they psulos? What happened? The Nishbach Adam. The case was that the blood spilled. So what's the point of the blood spilled? The, that means that the carbon was not fulfilled. There was no zrik on the carbon. So when, did the, when does the bread, here's a very lundish question. When does the bread get its sanctity? Kedusha's pack comes when you consecrate it. Kedusha's pack comes at what point? Is it the shechita itself that gives Kedusha's aguf? Or is it only the shechita and the zrika? The completion, the fulfillment of the carbon is what gives the bread its full Kedusha. Oh, come on, we're going like Rebbe. 
We're going like Rebbe that even just the Shechita, I mean, you have two things that are, that are linked. You have a Shechita and a Zerika. If you have both, one can help without the other. Meaning the bread gets a higher status of Kedushas Agov even from just the Shechita alone. So here it's going to be totally stuck. It got the Shechita, so it became Kedushas Agov. So you can no longer redeem it. But since the blood spilled and the Zerika wasn't done, so what didn't happen? There was no fulfillment to the carbon. If there was no fulfillment to the carbon, what, what can you do with the bread? Nothing. You can't eat it because the carbon wasn't fulfilled. You can't redeem it because it got trapped in the Kedushas Agov that it got from the Shechita. What a creative answer. Where do we see this Machlokas? Here, instead of talking about the bread of the carbon toda, which is giving another illustration, but it doesn't really matter. It's, it's in all carbon to carbonas that have other things that accompany them. So the loaves on the on kipsei are accompanied by two loaves of bread called the shtei halechem. The, the lechem only becomes kaddish when you slaughter the kipsei atzeres. If you do the shechita and the zrika in a valid way, you did it for the same the, the sake of the carbon Then clearly the bread becomes sanctified. Everything's good. But what happens if Shachan Shalalishman is Artam Shalishman? If you did everything bad, you did the Shlita and the Zrika in an invalid way, Loki the Shalach, and then clearly the Lachan doesn't become sanctified. That's all clear. What's not clear, Shachan Lishman is Artam Shalalishman. The Shlita was done properly for the sake of the carbon, but the Zrika was done in an invalid way. So then what do you have? Lachan Kaddish, Veno Kaddish, Jebri Rebbe. According to Rebbe, the bread does become Kaddish because the Shita alone is ma- it makes it Kodesh. At the same time, Ve'eno Kaddish. What does it mean at the same time, Ve'eno Kaddish? Rashi learns Pshat. It means the bread doesn't become Mutter. It's very difficult in the language of the Gemara, but that's the way Rashi learns Pshat. It becomes sanctified from the Shita. It doesn't become Mutter because the carbon wasn't fulfilled from the Zrika. As they learned Rashi. Rabbi Shimon says, no, if the Shechita alone doesn't give it its Kedushas Agof, it's the Shechita and the Zrika. So if the Zrika went bad, then the bread has no Kedushas Agof at all. So our Ukimta that we're making would not go like the second opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Our Ukimta would only work like Rebbe, because what's our Ukimta? That you, were, you, you consecrated the bread, you made a Shechita, but the blood spilled, so you, since you didn't do a Zrika, so therefore the, the, the bread is trapped. But why is it trapped? According to Shemim Gamliel, you should still be allowed to redeem it because it doesn't get Kedusha Sagov until also the Zerika is done. It must be we're going like Rebbe and it gets a Kedusha Sagov even just from the Shlita and then it's trapped because since the Zerika never happened, so you can't eat the bread, you can't redeem it because the Shlita was made. So it doesn't sound like we're going like Rebbe Lazar Shimon. Says the Gemara, you could still say we're going like Rebbe Lazar Shimon and we can make a little bit of a different Ukimta. What a fascinating answer. The, when did the blood spill? Not immediately after the Shechita. After the Shechita, what's the next step? You're supposed to catch the blood and then bring the blood to the Mizbeach and throw it. The blood didn't spill right after the Shechita. You caught the blood in the cup. So your means, you're right up to the Zerika. You're ready to do it. And right before you did it, that's when it spilled. Why is that significant? Rebbe Lazar, the son of Rebbe Shimon, holds like his father. The Amar, what does the grace of Rashbi tell us? As soon as the blood got into a state that it's about to be thrown, halachically it's viewed as if it is thrown. What does that mean? It's viewed as if it is thrown. What is that concept? Obviously, that doesn't mean it, you don't throw it. Avada, you have to throw it. And if you don't throw the blood, you don't get fulfillment of the carbon. But what does it mean? It means that any dinim that need the zrika, we view as if they have been achieved even before the zrika happened. So, like what? Like the bread becoming Kaddish, Kedusha Sagov. Even though that th- this opinion holds, that the, in order for the bread to get Kedusha Sagov, not only do I need Shechita, but I need Zrika, but as soon as the blood enters a state that it's about to be thrown, the bread will become Kaddish, Kedusha Sagov. 
So if the blood would spill right after the shechita, before I accepted it in a cup, then in the chanami, there wouldn't be kedushas akuf on the bread. But what happened was it spilled after it was already Kabbalah happened, right before this recall. It's as if kizarik dummy. That means copy the bread, the bread. We're going to view it as if the shechita, as if this recall already happened. So it is Kaddish Kedusha Sagov. So therefore, that's why the bread is trapped. You consecrated it, you shafted it, you caught the blood, and you're about to throw it. Therefore, the bread at this point is Kaddish Kedusha Sagov. Then the blood spilled, so this recall didn't happen. So now you can't eat the bread, and that's the way you're stuck. So just to bring out the point, Kol Ami Lizar Kizarik Dami's Alts Asvara, that the blood is Kaddish Kedusha Sagov. But Avada, you're not going to be able to eat the bread because of Olamid Lizar Kazarik Dami. No way. You didn't make this Rika. If you didn't make this Rika, the carbon hasn't been fulfilled. The carbon hasn't been fulfilled. How in the world are you going to eat the bread? So that's the tricky case here. How do you understand the concept of Kol Ami Lizar Kazarik Dami? It only helps clapping the status that the bread needs that it gets Lachar's Rika. Lachar's Rika gets the status of becoming Kedusha Sagov. Clapping that, there's a story called Lamed Lizar Kazarik Dami that even though you need this Rika, it's as if this Rika achieved that. Like the bread is called Kedusha Sagov. But the bread is not practically going to be allowed to be eaten until after his rika is actually done. And that's why when the blood spills, the bread now is trapped, it's psulos, and that's the ukimta that we're making to explain why they would use that type of bread as the indication of when, what time it was. What's the status of the korban? So the is this is where it's so interesting. The carbon's unfulfilled. You're going to have to bring another carbon. Everyone says, I mean, you don't have to do this rika, everything's good. If the blood spilled and you weren't able to do it, so then you have to bring another animal. I mean, out clape dinim, which were, that were hinged upon this rika happening, like the bread getting Kedushas Agov, which Be'etzim it should get from the Shkita, but it's waiting for this rika also. Clape that, there's a svar, I have a lot more to say about this, but... Let's, well, so we'll if the bread is trapped, then what are we saying? So that's what they would use the bread now for for the alarm lo- for the alarm clock. It can't be redeemed because it gets conditions of gold. Uh, it can't be eaten. Exactly. Exactly. That's this is the last bread. step to understand what type of bread they were using. The first who came to the Gemara is that they just used bread which was left over inevitably from the, all the carbonos that were brought on the thirteenth. That totally absurd. The second uh, suggestion of the Gemara is that they're using bread which was just simply what got trapped in the middle of the Avodah, as we're saying, that the case was that it was thrown, caught, it spilled before this recall, but the carbon wasn't fulfilled, so you can't eat the bread. That's the type of bread that, uh, they, that they used on top of the Itzdaba. It sounds like this is uh, something you do every year, but it's not... <laughs> yeah, like great point. That... It doesn't mean... Yeah, it's coming... According to the second suggestion of the Gemara, it's like every year they had this, it's a fluke case, right? It's a great point. I don't know. Says the Gemara, Actually, a third approach. They were just... Why do we have to make them psulos? The Mishnah said they were psulos. The Sprite says they were totally kosher. Stop. They, they, it was no problem. They were regular kosher ones. And if they were both there, then people would eat it. One was taken, people would, would, would just chill and not eat. I think the Chiddush is, the big, this is the big question. If they were cheros, how were they, what, how, how, don't they have to be eaten? Wasteful. Right? Isn't it wasteful? That's why this Tana is a bribe. That's why our Mishnah held that they could only use Tzulas. Tosas really struggles with this. How in the world do you understand this? Tosas says we have to be going to Gurgan Leo, you're allowed to trim the whole fifth hour, and at 11 a.m. they would quickly pound it. Very strange stuff, Tosas says. And that's Pashtas why our Mishnah didn't hold like this. Because you can't use Kshiris once, it's Mamash Bal Pashtas. Says the Gemara, Tanya, Abashalom, our top of Yudalish, Shei Paras. No, they didn't use bread at all. They used two cows. Shei Paras, our Kashas, our Mishnah. They put two cows grazing on Haraz Etim. If everyone was able to see the two cows, everybody would eat. So they would take away one cow. That was a sign that it was 10 a.m. They would take away the second cow. It was an indication that it was 11 a.m. And everybody would now go to burn their chametz. That's the food for Rebbe? 
Uh, for a Yehudah, I mean. 